Hallelujah. Well, of course, we're right in the middle of Memorial Day weekend. Uh, praise God. We are a fiercely patriotic people in church around here. And, uh, of course, uh, many of you have served and uh, fought. And, you know, we just uh, can't say thank you enough for all that, uh, that you and your families have sacrificed. And, of course, Memorial Day is, of course, in special honor, not only of those who serve, but those who paid the ultimate price for that. And uh, so I pray that tomorrow that you do more than just barbecue or take a day off, but that you think about the hard-fought freedoms we have. And uh, that in our thinking about how we interact with our government, we're in an election year. (laughs) You do know that, right? Uh, Praise God that we'll have eyes to see and ears to hear. Um, that we don't, uh, that we're watchful. It's, it's our generation's turn to watch and protect the freedoms Amen. that, uh, you know, these men and women and generations that have gone before us like Brother Bill uh, fought and many died to make sure that we have. So I just want to say this to you so it'll be on the record. If they try to close the churches down this fall, I'm not going to do that unless the Lord comes into my room and says... Now, in the beginning, they asked for a couple weeks. I, I swallowed that pill. I did that. Yeah. Let's flatten the curve. We didn't know a lot about the virus either. I, I get that. Then, man, they asked for four more weeks. And, man, I didn't want to do that. But I took a lot of counsel. How many of you know in counsel? That's good. I have a board. I have counsel. And I took that. And uh, I don't deny there's a real virus out there. But church got to keep going. Amen. church got to keep going. And uh, so, hallelujah, y'all put a little money aside as you tithe and give, and you know, you'd help Amber with my legal defense fund. People would say, Pastor, I'm behind you. Way behind. And uh, so I just, it's out there on the record, that's my heart, I'm just not, I just can't do it, I'm not doing it. Agree, disagree, listen, we'll always have live stream as long as the government will allow us to have an internet. I don't know how long they'll let that. You know, when they told the Christians in China during this whole thing, this is a true story, we're going to shut the church down, you got internet. So they all shut their churches down and had the internet. You know what they did with the internet? They shut it off. That's what they did. So anyway, that's not the purpose of my message either, but I just want to get it out there on the record. I'm not out to be braggadocious. I do appreciate the, the scriptures that say that we need to be submissive and prayerful to our government and our leaders, and I want to be. But there's men in this room who fought and saw things, did things where they would have rather not done so that we could have a First Amendment. And, uh, yeah, it's like the president said, thank God. We need more prayer, not less. We need more church, not less. So anyway, I know how people have different feelings and all of that, but uh, that's where I'm standing. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Let's bow our heads before the Lord in prayer. Father, we, we are living in some, some weighty and sobering times and days. And yet, Father, they're also glorious times, great times. You're on the move and on the march. God, help us to not be overly occupied and overly impressed with what the devil's doing. Because whatever the devil may be doing, you're doing much more. The devil doesn't put it on his press, on his media outlets, but nevertheless, you are still moving in a mighty way in the earth. Father, we thank you that you chose us before the foundation of the world, 
to, I believe, be the generation with a mandate to finish this thing up and to usher in the second coming of your own son. Father, it's going to take strength. It's going to take, it's going to take a, a, a believer, a Christian life that has a warrior, soldier-like mentality. And I thank you, God that, God, that there is a shaking, there is an awakening, there is a fire coming to refine your people, to ready us, to get us in position for this last final push before we're called away. Father, I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice here in the sanctuary, those watching by live stream, that, Father, that you would give each one a sense of my heart as a pastor. And that, Father God, you'll give them eyes to see and ears to hear what the Holy Ghost is saying. And that they'll take that and that, God, that you will, by your Spirit, customize what I'm saying to each one of us. uh, Because you know us all together, our rising up, our lying down, all of our walking around, our deepest thoughts and ambitions and thoughts. You know us all together, and yet you love us all the same. We thank you, Father, that we're moving forward in all that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I've really been, as I've worshipped and going, I just sort of felt like I'm standing in the valley of decision this morning about which direction to go. I've been talking about ministering from the Word, about living free from fear, and have 10 pages of notes here about that, but I really don't sense any anointing to preach you that message. (laughs) And uh, what I do feel impressed, more, more strongly impressed, is to talk about Something that it's going to take, you know, maturity for you to hear it. And I don't believe the Lord would be urging me on on me inside of my heart if you weren't, if you didn't have the kind of metal and maturity and hunger and desire to hear it. You know, there's a lot of things you just can't say in a congregation. God wouldn't even author it. They, they would spit it out. You know, it wouldn't be love to feed a, a, a newborn a big piece of T-bone steak. Oh, but it's good. It is good. But that, that little kid can't handle that right now. And so a lot of churches, you know, they're just not at the place of development where they can. And we're certainly not where we're supposed to be. We're not up here bragging about anything. But we, we, are, we have come a fur piece. We have heard some strong messages. And I'm not out to get anybody. I'm out to help everybody. Big part of my heart and mind right now would just prefer to go back to talking about fear and living in victory and Living free from peer because everybody likes you when you do that. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. And uh, let's go over to the book of First Peter. I have no notes on this subject. So if you like to get a, watch a preacher out on the water, watch God dangle him out there, it might be entertaining for you at least. <laughs> Amen. But I believe the Lord has something good for us today. Hi to everyone out there watching my live stream. Sure love you too. I can't see your faces, but by the eye of my imagination, I I know many of you who are out there watching. Love you. Hope you're well. Even talked to a pastor in Kenya this morning that's followed our ministry for a long time. He said, I'm watching you today. So, you know, just remember that you might think, pastor's after me. He's like attacking me from the pulpit. I don't ever do that. That's not ethical. Right? I would say if the shoe fits, put it on. It'll help you. 
And uh, but uh, again, I'm not out to I'm not out to, you know, I'm out to help everybody. Amen. Amen. And uh, just uh, just believe that what you need to hear, God's going to help you to hear it. How many of you believe God's out for your good? He's out for your good. He's out for your preservation. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, I also don't want you to let your mind run to any specific event that has happened of late in our community or even in our own church and think I'm preaching this and it's linked to that. Just to help you with your brain. Because I know how the devil is. I know how humans are. All right. Okay, that's all my, my caveat, the disclaimer, the fine print. So here we go. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse number 12. Now, if you'll remember, way out, even it was in the midst, but even ahead in, in this, I think I, I preached a parking lot drive-up service on judging yourself. Uh, Kamala and I got together on early on when we began having live stream services on a Wednesday night, and I talked about a, a judgment that's come. And uh, so, and then before the world even knew anything about a coronavirus, I was here beginning of the year behind this pulpit on Wednesday nights talking about a vision given to a man of God named Tommy Hicks way back in 1960 something. And about how he saw the end time church stand up like a mighty giant upon the earth. I mean, when that giant finally stood up, the earth looked about like that. The giant was like, you know, just barely standing on the earth. And yet when the giants began to stood up, it was mired and hindered by this black tar. But as the giant reached up and began to worship God like we were doing this morning, his hands reached up into a silver cloud, into the glory of God, and it began to rain. Hallelujah. It began to rain. You know, God talks about revival in terms of rain. Joel talks about an outpouring of the Spirit. Zechariah says, if you'll ask me, ask God, for the early and the latter rain, it'll be poured out in the last days. And so it's symbolic of a move of the Holy Ghost. Well, in the vision, he saw this giant that is the whole body of Christ on earth stand up, mired in sin and compromise and darkness, rise up and praise and touch that glory cloud, the presence of God, and it began to rain on the church and began to wash all of that that had held the church back away. Amen. And then the giant began to dissolve into individuals, millions and millions and millions, anointed with a mighty power and anointing, who went about the whole earth in the last days to do an end-time work, to reap an end-time harvest, and to operate in signs and wonders and miracles. And then the church is caught away. Very, very... Anyway, I was preaching about that vision and we, we were talking about repentance, talking about making changes. Do you remember WHC? Okay. God is always out ahead of stuff. He knows what's coming and He would prepare us. But for that to happen requires cooperation on our part. And that cooperation is primarily manifested in listening. Listening. I don't mean your ears register words, but you forget them by the you get to the parking lot. I mean you're listening, really listening with your heart. And that's really what I want you to do today. So uh, 1 Peter 4, beginning in verse 12, says, Beloved, think it not strange. Of course, that's hard not to do. But think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you 
as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's suffering. Now, how did Christ suffer? Well, he didn't suffer because he was sick, did he? And he didn't suffer because he was broke, did he? Now, in fact, he's feeding not only his staff and himself, he's feeding thousands, tens of thousands in single services. Walked in total dominion over lack. I had, had somebody on Facebook try to argue with me, tell me Jesus was poor. Well, how do you move from, you know, Bethlehem to Egypt, wander around Egypt, no job, take your whole family? Man, when my family leaves Paducah, you got to think money, money, money. Gas money, hotel money, food money, snack money, gummy bear money. Money, money, money. Right? Of course, Joseph and Mary wandering around doing all that. How do you think God paid for all that? Well, they left Bethlehem with a boatload of money because God sent the Magi with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Anyway, how did Christ suffer? Well, persecution, being misunderstood, plots to kill him, plots to stop his mission. Uh, being persecuted and reproached and dishonored. Hello? That's the kind of suffering he's talking about. And that's the kind of suffering that we're called to partake of. The Bible says all who will live godly in Christ Jesus might suffer persecution. No, it says they will. It says they will. Hallelujah. So Peter says rejoice when these things begin to break out. Notice what he says, when his glory shall be revealed. How many of you know that's coming soon? In a huge way. His glory shall be revealed. You may be glad with exceeding joy. Now doesn't it, isn't it kind of implied here that we're going to come into great glory. His glory is going to be revealed, but it'll be right in the midst of some fiery trials. Yeah. If you be reproached for, my, for the name of Christ, happy are you. For the spirit of glory, oh my goodness, I don't have time to preach on that, but look at that. For the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, talking about the unsaved, he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. What's that mean? Mind your own what? Mind your own business. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. For the time is come. Hallelujah. The time is come that what? That judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? Look at verse 18. And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to Him in well-doing as a faithful Creator. 
Now listen, I love preaching on rejoicing and I love preaching on the message of faith and ministering healing and the power of God and laying hands on people to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Watch them speak in other tongues and moving forward. Amen. I love preaching about prosperity. Amen. That's Bible. So many wonderful things. The peace of God. Uh, we are overcomers more than conquerors. And that's all in the Word. That's why we preach it. But, but if I'm going to be a real pastor for you, I can't ignore scriptures like this. These are scriptures too. Amen. Now, as I said at that drive-up service, if you remember, I looked up this word time. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. This word time doesn't mean a single set time, a one-time event and then it's over. This word in the Greek indicates that there are seasons. There are seasons or occasions that are going to come along in which God is going to evaluate and make judgments and determinations about His people. Hello? And in His house. And, you know, if you're paying attention at all, we're in one of those seasons. Let's go to Hebrews. Let's go to Hebrews. Hallelujah. I know my doctor, Dr. Jacobs, you know, he'd be excited that we're going to Hebrews. <laughs> That's his favorite book of the Bible. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 12. As you're turning there, WAC Pastor Nancy, I spoke to her this week. She sends you her love. And she is going to try to reschedule the Miracle Crusade and get that done this year. So we're eagerly waiting some communication from her. I also talked to Dr. Jacobs just by text message. said, hey, Dad, we're open. If you want to come finish your meeting, come on. <laughs> and uh, he said, I'm so grateful for your kindness. He'll let me know. So praise God. You know, this has got to have been a, a work of faith for our traveling ministers. Okay, so Hebrews chapter 12. And uh, praise God. Let's begin. We're going to read several verses here because the word is, is, is just so profound. Oh, where do we start? Where do we start? Praise God. Let's start in beginning in verse 14. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man will see the Lord. Well, you know, I'm just going to drop some nuggets, I think, as the Lord helps me to try to help you survive the shaking. Because there's a shaking coming on and is on in the church. And I would sure love for you to survive the shaking. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And to come out the, you know, the other side uh, of it unscathed. And the Bible says here, without holiness, no one's going to see the Lord. You know, it's unholy to be engaged in sexual activity with someone you're not married to. That's unholy. If you're engaged in that and the Lord decides to come, hello, you've got a shock of the ages coming to you. You have to have holiness. One of the things, I'm going to try to just give you some things. If I were you, what I'm doing in my life, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to judge myself. Remember, I preached that to you. Because the Bible says if you judge yourself, guess what happens? You will not be judged. In other words, you, you know in some of these survivors, like Survivor, they have exemptions. I don't really watch that show, but in flipping channels, I've seen enough that they can have exemptions. In other words, in the survival show, someone's about to get cut, but you can have a get-out-of-jail-free card. In other words, I'm not included in the pool of the people that are going to get cut. 
Well, in the time of judgment and shaking, you could get out a jail free card and be exempt from the shaking. But what do you must be what do you have to be willing to do? Judge yourself. And not in a feel-good, happy way. I'm talking about in a sober, biblical way. Hallelujah. Glory, glory. Listen, I'm sorry if you're disappointed. This is the only message I have today that the Lord, I think, is going to be pleased with. <laughs> so you might as well be excited about it. You know, because really this could be a divine rescue for somebody here. To be forewarned is to be what? Forearmed. God's out to help everybody. And so without holiness, you can't see God. So what I would do is I would say, I would take the arena of morality and I would judge yourself. In the area of morality, how are you doing? And I, I came in as the guys were finishing up their fight club men's group. Would love to see more of you guys come out to that if you can. It's just such a wonderful time. But, you know, I was talking to the guys a little bit about how do you judge yourself without condemning yourself? Because condemnation is never right. Anything that pulls you down, makes you less than, beats you up, puts guilt on you, shame on you, that's not God. But to judge, as one of the guys said, it just means to, to discern, to make an honest evaluation, a decision about something. You can do that without condemning yourself. And keep that in mind. And so in the area of morality, are you being a moral person? Did you have income that you should file? Have you filed your taxes? I know you got an extension, but a moral person doesn't skip that. Well, I'm under pressure. I don't have it. Well, believe God. Hallelujah. Are you being moral with your eyes on all your devices? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Anyway, you just, you just need to search that. And if you're out of whack in some area, it's, you know what that is, right? I mean, gosh, you, I may not know, but God knows and you know. And what you just need to do is you just need to, get, you just need to come to the altar in a private moment. Or you need to go home. You need to get under a shade tree. You need to sit in your hammock, your rocking chair, and you need to say, Father, I need to talk to you. I'm, I want you to know I'm judging myself for this immoral behavior. I call it sin, I call it wrong, I confess it, and I'm asking you to help me change it. Oh, you're going to excite God when you do that. And you're going to shut a big old door where the devil can't strike your life. And nobody has to know about it that needs to know about it. Now, if, you're, if your immorality has wronged someone and you can make that right, you need to try to make that right. Hallelujah. Okay, we're just reading one verse here. We've got several more to read. Y'all doing okay? So it says, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. Is it possible to fail of the grace of God? Well, he's not writing to sinners in this book, so it must be. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. That word defiled means poisoned. Many believers are poisoned. They poison their lives. How? They let a root of bitterness get in their heart. Remember Dr. Jacob's ministering to us about unforgiveness. So, here's another thing. Judge yourself in this time of shaking. Is there somebody you need to forgive? Are you holding grudges against yourself? That's a big one. Amen? Are you embittered in your heart? Has a root of bitterness begun to take hold? You're going to poison your life. 
It's going to show up in a stroke, a cancer, uh, uh, the d- destruction of all your relationships, poverty, torment, all kinds of hell that you don't want your life. It's not worth it. Judge yourself and let the love of God flood your heart and get rid of that bitterness. Amen. This just gets more better. Let's look at verse 16. What are we reading here? We're reading the Holy Red, aren't we? We're reading the Bible. This is all in the Bible. I know you try to skip over these verses. You probably don't have any of these verses highlighted in your Bible. Amen. Lest there be any fornicator. Okay, now, what's that? Someone engaged in any sort of sexual, immoral activity outside of their marriage covenant. You're a sexual creature, created that way by God, but if you don't have a ring on, if you don't have a legit spouse, you're supposed to be taking cold showers and crucifying your flesh. That's what you're supposed to be doing. (laughs) The Bible says it is better to marry than burn with passion. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Pastor, I've missed it in this area. What do you do? You repent. You just tell God you're sorry. And you really need to mean it. And you really need to be willing to change it. Praise God. It goes on and says, don't be a profane person like Esau. Esau was just in his early years, he's just overcome with flesh. He sold his morsel of meat for his birthright. For you know, I'm all trying to read up to a scripture. Well, I don't know if we're going to make it. I hope we will. For you know how that afterward, when he would, Esau would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. This is one of the most sobering scriptures in the New Testament. What is this verse saying? This verse is saying to us that Esau got so profane that he just got so out there and his heart became so hard that there came a day where he decided, you know, he might want to change that and he couldn't find repentance. He couldn't even, he sought for it. He couldn't even find it. That's how far out he got away from God. You know, you're in a bad way when you're not even convicted anymore. Isn't that right? He was rejected. He sought for repentance with tears. You know, every person in hell today is seeking repentance with tears. They probably know what the Bible says about once you end up in that place, there's no getting out and no coming back. There's no second chances. There's no, Jesus is going to go, okay, I changed my mind. I'm just going to go ahead and let you out of there. It's not going to happen. Amen. On the earth is when you have an opportunity to change it and to get right with God. Amen. Amen. Now, here we go. Verse 18. Uh, For you are not come unto the mount that might be touched and that burned with fire, nor unto blackness and darkness and tempest, and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words, which voice they that heard entreated that the words should not be spoken to them anymore. Say, Pastor, what are they talking about? This is talking about when God came down on uh, Mount Sinai in the wilderness in physical form, and the whole place shook. The mountain couldn't take him. <laughs> the rocks began to melt like wax. And when he spoke, all the Israelites I cannot take that voice. I just cannot. It's too holy. It's too awesome. It's too mighty. We can't take it. We can't hear this anymore. And they said, Moses, you just please go up on that mountain. Apparently he likes you. And you just hear everything that this voice wants to say and come down and we will do it all. Yeah. And you know what? God heard him say that. And you know what he said? He goes, 
they're right. That's a good plan. I'm telling you, the God we serve, He is mighty. He is a mighty God. Hallelujah. And really not to be trifled with. Amen. Played around with. Notice verse 20. For they could not endure that which was commanded. And if so much as an animal touched the mountain, it was stoned or thrust through with the dart. So terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. You know, you're going to be thrust into the presence of... This, these people had a three-day warning. At any moment, right? Gabriel or Michael, Michael could and sound the trumpet, and in a, a Thomas second, your life is going to be thrust into the very face of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And the first thing that's going to happen when you get there is an evaluation. <laughs> Hallelujah. We were talking about yesterday with Miss Martha about what Brother Bill's doing. I said, oh, guys, listen, he's going to do all that, but he hadn't even got through orientation yet. <laughs> he's still standing in line, you know. Cafeteria's over here. Here's your bunk over there. Right? It's awesome. Praise God. So he's comparing this, he, but he says to Christians, the writer of Hebrews, you're not coming to this mountain, but this is what it was like. Verse 22 but you are come, talking to Christians, you and me, unto Mount Zion, unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, oh, this is just so awesome, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all. Notice what he was, how he's described in this passage. We love to talk about him as Jehovah Jireh, we love to talk about him as Agape and Abba Father, which he is. We love to talk about him as our banner of victory. We love to talk about him as Jehovah Rapha, the Lord our healer. We love to talk about Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. But this is in the Bible too, my friends. Hallelujah. And to, we're going to come to God, to the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. That's you and me. And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Verse 25. See that you refuse not him that speaks. When, he, when you're reading your Bible and you read one of these passages, it's kind of like alarming. <laughs> well, we ain't highlighting that. We just turn the page. We're just moving on. I'm going to act la, 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 act like I didn't see that. It's still there, brother. <laughs> it's still there. You're still accountable to it. How about when the Holy Ghost speaks to your heart in a church service? Or through the voice of your pastor? Or in a time of prayer? What's God saying? You see to it that you do not refuse Him that speaks. For if they, referring back to that generation with Moses, if they escaped not who refused Him that spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from Him that speaks from heaven. Keep your finger here, but go over with me to oh, 1 Timothy chapter 4. It's just a few pages back to your left. Y'all okay? Got a little more time? Just give me a little more time. What I'm trying to get to is that there's a shaking going on. Peter said that there's a season, there's a time of judgment that's going to come to the house of God. What does that mean, Pastor? It's getting late. Cut to the chase. 
It means the bill comes due. You can go out and party if you like, but the bill's going to come due. You can be lazy and not come to prayer meeting if you want, but the, the bill's going to come due on your lack of spiritual development. <laughs> you can say, I don't need a pastor. I'm not going to listen to that guy talk, man. He's just too hard. He just out to get me. I'm going to go to one of these other churches that all they do is brag on me, tell me how sweet I am, smoke cigarettes with me in the back. Well, listen, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not all that about cigarettes. I mean, gosh, a lot of things take you to hell. I don't, cigarettes are not one of them. It'll kill you early. But I'm just saying, you know, there's a lot of places that'll just pat you on the head. All they're trying to do is get you to come back. I talked to a pastor in this city several years ago. He said, my number one mission with every first-time visitor is to do whatever I need to do to get them to come back. Now, he didn't say the words, whatever I need to be. What he did say to quote, unquote, is my aim, my goal, my number one goal with a first-time visitor is to turn them into a second-time visitor. What if they die in a car wreck before you see them again? You didn't tell them about hell. You didn't tell them about judgment. You didn't tell them about getting right with God. You didn't tell them God loved them. You didn't tell them they need to keep their pants on. You didn't tell them they need to turn to God that God would forgive them. What about that? I, some of these preachers are going to be, whoa, you're going to want to back up in heaven when it comes time to judge some of these preachers because they're going to get it. They might, they might not make the shaking. I pray they make heaven, but there are a lot of preachers not going to make the shaking. I'm not the only prophet. I'm not the prophet. I'm not a prophet, but there's prophets out there that have been echoing that same sentiment from God. You can't lie to God's people. Over and over and over and over and over again to get your chairs full and to get more money out of them so you can feel good about your numbers and how successful you are. I don't care how many seats are here. I don't care. It really doesn't matter anymore anyway because there's online church. How do you count attendance? I don't even care. How do you even know how many people attend church anymore? I don't even. This is just a new brave world we're living in. What I care about is I know I'm going to stand before God as a preacher, my wife and my family and I, and He's going to say, "Did you tell Him what I told you to tell? Did you preach the whole counsel of my word? How many, did you?" And now, praise God. <laughs> I'm going to leave no stone unturned. And if you don't like me, that's fine. Some, God will send me someone that does like me. God's going to send my wife and I some people who appreciate. And you all do or you wouldn't be here. I love people. I don't want people to be destroyed. I want to see your marriage make it. I don't want to see somebody come and take your house away. I don't, I don't want to have to come to the hospital and, and, and see you with 25 tubes stuck in you. I don't want to see you mired in torment and fear and anguish and depression. Anyway, 1, Peter, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 uh, Paul said, now the Spirit speaks. What were we just reading? See to it that you do not refuse the one that's speaking. Well, he says, not only is he speaking, he's speaking expressly. Meaning, I'm being clear about this. Pay attention. That in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith. Now, you can't depart from a faith you once, that you didn't ever have. Hello? 
They were of the faith. They, were, they loved God. They had a fire. They went to church. They, they were zealous. They read their Bible. They paid their tithes. I, I just bump into people all the time in Paducah that used to be on this stage, used to be in my seats, used to be in the sanctuary, used to be one of the biggest supporters, used to be one of the biggest servers, and they hadn't been in church for 10 years. They hadn't been in church in 15 years. They are deceived. They've left the faith. They don't have any fire anymore. They don't have any feeling anymore. They don't care about lost souls anymore. They don't care about praying anymore. If they have a roof over their head and a cell phone and a, and a microwave and uh, whatever those services are that deliver your food to you, they're content. Oh, something got a hold of me. I think it may be the Holy Ghost. Now the Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to what? Seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. Do you know demons have doctrines? Where would someone in the faith hear something that would cause them to leave the faith? <laughs> Hello? Where would they hear a doctrine of the devil? In the church. That's where this is being pumped out. In the church, on Christian TV, on podcasts, webcasts, churches, pulpits. Giving he, yeah, you're okay. You can love Jesus, believe he died, raised from the dead, have your name slain, book of life, practice homosexuality. That's a seducing spirit. That's a lie from hell. If you believe that, you're not, the Bible says, no practicing fornicator, adulterer, murderer, hater, idolater, homosexual, lesbian has any inheritance in the kingdom of God at all. At all. I read that this weekend in three letters of the New Testament, the same language. Don't be deceived. I'm just telling you, if you're in sexual sin, God loves you so much. He's not moved by that, but you need to stop it. You need to repent. You need to get washed. You need to get cleansed. You need to get right. You need to cut those people off like my wife said. You need to take some spiritual relational pruning shears and, you know, and right. Will they love me? And I know they're, you know, we're just missing No, no. If they're taking advantage of you and sleeping with you and living at your address and you're not married, then they don't love you. Patty cake, patty cake pastors are taking people to hell by the thousands in America. I absolutely would. Don't you think I would if I had the ability and the authority? I would take people out of tens of thousands of churches across the land, shut those churches down, put them right here in front of me. Not because I'm something, but because they're not hearing anything that's going to give them the kind of strength that they're going to need to stay alive until Jesus does return. Let's go back to Hebrews. I know it's strong. I told you, you should have. I told you at the beginning. Don't forget what I said in the beginning. <laughs> you know, I love my Father and He loves me. Y'all know that, right? And you love, you love the Father and He loves you. Oh my gosh, our Father is so wonderful, so sweet, so wonderful, so loving, so patient, so gracious, so kind. Nobody's ever done me like Jesus has done me. Come on. 
But listen, understand the truth about God's love. The Bible says in Hebrews that whom the Lord loves, He corrects, He chasteneth, He disciplines. He disciplines. Praise God. I love my children. So I discipline them when they need it because I love them. Mom loves them. Oh, help me, Father. What kind of hole have I gotten myself into here? Praise the Lord. I am helping. We've got to find a way to... This is, this is how Paul ended up preaching until Eutychus fell out the window. This is, this is how it happened. I'm not going to do that to you today. Hang in there with me. But I don't want to leave you right here. So, verse 25, don't refuse him, for they did not escape. Basically, I'm paraphrasing how are we going to escape if we turn away from him that speaks from heaven. Well, he's, one of the things he spoke, we just read, in the last days, some are going to depart. Yeah. Listen, can I help you? Someone you know, maybe really close, may decide to depart from the faith before this thing is done. What are you going to do? You need to decide before you leave. What are you going to do? What are you going to do when Big Bubba decides to throw in the towel? What are you going to do when Mama pitches in, says she's done with Jesus? What are you going to do when your husband walks off and says, I don't care about this Bible stuff anymore. We're all all right anyway. God loves me. <laughs> what are you going to do? It's just, you need to decide it now, not in the moment. Are you going to leave me and run to fluffy preaching? Because it's so much more pleasing to the flesh. Don to come down here, listen to that hot rod. Think he's so hot. Whatever, and I don't. Amen. Say that. You know, what's going to happen for me as a human being when I leave here, my humanity is going to go, oh my God, what did I do this morning? <laughs> and hopefully my wife will speak up and say, well, you may have saved three or four lives today, honey. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so verse 26 said, this voice shook the earth at one time, but now he has promised saying, yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. That means a spirit realm. And this word yet once more signifies the removing of those things that are shaken. Why, why is there shaking? What's the purpose in God's mind for a shaking? To remove things that ought not be there. So when the shaking comes to your house, the goal of the shaking is to remove stuff that ought not be in your house, in your marriage, in your family dynamic, right in your thinking, in your morality, in your spiritual life. And the shaking has come to the individual. The shaking has come to the family. The, the shaking has come to local churches. Amen. The bill has come due for states and localities and regions and nations. And the world. There'll be a global shaking going on. Verse 28. or no, We hadn't finished verse 27. Things are being shaken. Why? For the removal of those things. That those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Hallelujah. Wherefore we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved. Aren't you glad? 
let us have grace. God wants you to have grace this morning. Whereby we may serve God. How? I got a sermon series out there I preached some years ago called Acceptable Worship. Not all worship is acceptable. Coming in and mouthing the words, that's not acceptable worship. I brought my body, I'm here. Count me present. That's not acceptable worship. If your heart isn't reaching out to touch God and to thank Him and honor Him and praise Him for what He's done for you, it's not acceptable. It's not acceptable. I don't accept that in myself. Now, I have flesh too. Like you come in, sometimes you come in hot, sometimes your flesh is like, oh, okay, I'm, but I do it. Amen. Hallelujah. So we want to receive grace that we may serve God acceptably. How? With reverence, not with flippancy, not with casualness, with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. One more scripture here in Hebrews 10. I want to show you this too. And then we'll... We'll get the airplane, the wheels are out on the airplane. We have begun our descent. We are on final approach on this sermon. But you know, I really didn't get into the meat of it. Really, when I walk away, you're going to have to stir, okay. You just need to be aware. If, if, I made, if, I, if I stirred in you a consciousness that there's a shaking going on, that I will have called the sermon Productive. But really, you just need to go home and not in any sort of fear. But with a godly respect for the moment that we've come to find ourselves in, in the natural and in the spirit realm. I heard Reverend, Greer, Reverend Marilyn quoted it to me that this prophet of God said, listen, what we need to be doing right now as believers is we need to be on our faces repenting and asking God, what do I need to change? so that I can be ready for your coming. Amen. I agree with that. Is that what he said? Okay. Praise God. So this is very interesting. Hebrews 10, 25. I hope y'all are out there online paying attention. Don't, don't go away. So let's begin in verse number 24, real quick. It says, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. This is why you need to still come to church as soon as you feel like you can. To come to church. So that I can provoke you. So I can see your face and I can provoke you. See, Jerry came today so I could provoke him. <laughs> oh, I'm going to get you, Brother Jerry, and I'm going to make sure you're out there doing good works. Right? But really it's not the pastor just provoking sheep to love and good works. There's a provoking of one another. Just in being one another's presence, it makes us want to straighten up, clean up, be right. Right? Somehow you miss that online. Hallelujah. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the door as you see, more as you see the day approaching. Come on. Do you see the day approaching? Yes, Come on then. What pastor's going to be doing? He's going to be open to the Spirit because we need to be having more church, not less. Yes. More services, not less. Yes. Amen. Amen. 
You need to be making more room for services in your life, not less. Amen. Amen. So much God wants to do, but we're so restricted by people's expectations that we got to be out of here no later than 12 or... I'm on 1221 or... Amen. 12.30. See, if we were willing to break off those limitations, I mean, where could we go? Hallelujah. He said, more as you see the day approaching. Then here's what I want to close with. Look at verse 26. For if we sin willfully. The two are connected, faith. Do you see that? People are sinning willfully by neglecting the house of God. And listen, I'm not saying that related to the coronavirus. I'm not saying that related to the coronavirus. I'm saying the lifestyle of many Christians before this event ever took place is blow off church, blow it off. I'm too busy. T-ball's more important. My daughter has a piano recital. My daughter used to have piano recitals too. We never missed one service to get to the piano recital. It's amazing what people let get in the way of spiritual priorities. It's a real deception. God wants it changed. I said God wants it changed. The attitude behind it, He wants it changed. See, it's okay if you don't, you know, if people out there don't like it. I have my father's, he's like, thank you, son, for saying that. That's the way I really feel about it. I'm going to take care of you. <laughs> but do you see these verses are connected? It goes on and says, if we sin willfully, that means I know what I'm doing, I'm going to do it anyway. That's what willful sin is. What does this say? If we do that, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, see, I've told you the truth this morning. may not feel good, but I have told you the truth. Amen. And if we continue to willfully sin after I have brought you the knowledge of the truth, guess what? There remains no more sacrifice for sins. In other words, you're exposed. The blood of Jesus isn't going to cover that just automatic. If you put the blood of Jesus on it through repentance, it will wash it away. But when we willfully sin, knowing what we're doing, you cannot think the blood's got me. The blood don't got you. There is no more. You have no more available sacrifice to cover that willful sin. The only way you can get the willful sin covered is to willfully change your mind. Tell God you're sorry and go a different direction. And that's the only way you're going to get the blood on that sin. Amen. Oh, Jesus. But a, what, it, what does remain? A certain fearful looking or expectation of what? Of judgment. You can know this straight out of the God's Word. If you continue in a willful, ungodly thing, He'll give you a space of time to repent. But there's no blood covering it. And what's coming, if you don't change it, is judgment and indignation and wrath from God. I'm not saying you're going to lose your salvation, right? But you may lose your earthly situation. Hallelujah. I know it's quiet in here. It ought to be. Which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses, of how much sore punishment do you suppose he shall be thought worthy who has trodden underfoot the Son of God 
and is counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified. Do you see this person was sanctified? An unholy thing, and he has done despite or disrespect to the Spirit of grace. For we know him that has said, vengeance belongs to me. We quote, vengeance belongs to me when we think about a sinner doing us wrong. This is saying vengeance belongs to God who will deal with a former Christian who decided to willfully sin, count the blood of Jesus as a common thing, and do disrespect to the Spirit of grace. That's rough, isn't it? I mean, that's just, that's just really raw truth. But, but I don't have time left to play around with anybody. But God says, I will recompense, I will repay, saith the Lord. Now here's, the Lord shall do what? The Lord shall judge the sinner? Mm -mm. The Lord shall judge His people. The Lord shall judge His people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So, praise God, we can escape all of this and God, man, He, he not... Praise God. I'm not mad at anybody. I'm not mad at anybody. And I don't got anybody scoped out, you know what I mean? But we can exempt ourselves from all of these scriptures by judging ourselves. Morality. Judge yourself toward the kingdom. Is the kingdom first? Is the local church, does it have a proper place in your family culture? Are you bringing your supply faithfully to the local church? I know that's been interrupted, right? But are you, and many of you are. But listen, if you can check that off the list, praise God, then just go on to the next one. (laughs) Are you doing right by God financially? Here's another huge one. Are you walking in love? That's just another area, another arena. The royal law of the new covenant is love. You know everything I've said to you today, I've said from a heart of love. Hallelujah. Praise God. This is what love looks like. It really is. But are you walking in love towards your mate? Are you walking in love towards your fellow brother and sister? Amen. Are you walking in love towards your co-worker and fellow man? If you're not, judge yourself. Go say you're sorry. Get yourself in 1 Corinthians 13 and start practicing the love of God. I would also judge this. Are you living in the center of God's will for your life? If you're not, get there quick. Amen. Just a few areas that I think God is really focused on. Amen? Amen. Praise God. We talked about morality, holiness, right towards God, right towards the kingdom of God, walking in love, bringing your supply to the house of God. Many are weak. You know why? Many are weak. Many are sickly. Many die premature. Why? They don't discern the Lord's body. We are the body of Christ. We have a responsibility toward one another. 
Amen. You could stand up on your feet this morning.